Hello and welcome to Sharp Tech. I'm Andrew Sharp, and this is a free preview of today's episode. Okay, so while we're on this subject, Logan said, I think one phenomenon that both of you have described is that you instinctually zag when a dominant narrative emerges about a given technology. When it comes to generative AI, though, I think it's fair to say the show has zigged largely sharing the common wisdom that generative AI is hugely important and will transform how businesses operate. What is the best bear case against generative AI actually transforming industries? As someone who is skeptical about all of this, it's good to hear the bull case and challenge my own thinking. I'm just curious what Ben might see as the best bear case. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, we sort of alluded to some of them, but what comes to mind as you imagine a bear case? Yeah, well, I think the, the most important one is kind of the one I just articulated, which is the status quo is really powerful and often persists much longer than you would think, right? I think a, an analogy would be like the rise of this super niche e-commerce. And it's like, oh, PNG is screwed. Unilever is screwed. And it turns out that uh, scaling stuff up is is hard. It's difficult. And physical goods yeah. is even more difficult. And distribution really matters, right? It's Getting like that terrestrial stuff. radio and cable. Like they, they've they been, you know, on the way out for a while now and are probably going to be here for another 30 years. Well, the cable one is, is actually a great point. I wrote an article, I think in 2016, it's been a while, talking about like why it is that TV is so much more persistent and TV advertising in particular than when everyone's been predicting that it would be doomed for like a decade, right? Mm-hmm. And I think my analysis is correct. It, it actually gets into some of these like CPG companies and the fact that so much of the economy is bound into a TV advertising model. It's not just TV advertising. It's large companies like Procter & Gamble that make products that appeal to, you know, the, you know or their niches are like quite large. Like, you yeah. know, the Old Spice customer versus the like Dove customer, right? Or whatever, or, or you know, or versus the Axe customer, right? It, all making the same product, but you know, one is suitable to advertise on ESPN, right? One is suitable to advertise on HGTV. And all this stuff sort of grows up together. And then they make deals with big box retailers to have their stuff featured on the end cap or in people get in their cars and they go to these stores. And who are the big advertisers? Car companies, big box retailers, yep. like uh, the, cell, the cell phone companies that you know, so you're connected and track your shopping list and the PG. Like all this stuff is connected together. And it's not necessarily suited to like digital advertising, whoever it might be. Now, I wrote that in 2016. In 2023, the TV industry is looking pretty dire, right? And so the <laughs> people who were – but this is the issue of timing is difficult, right? People who are talking about the TV industry being doomed in 2010, were they right or wrong? Well, they were wrong because timing is an important part of being right, right? And I've, mm. I've made this mistake you know, multiple times myself. And uh, But they were – the structural – things they were identifying remained, right? And so the question is, when does that actually take effect? What persists? What doesn't? And now we're really starting to work through, oh, wait, the structural things are a big deal. I think we're shifting much more aggressively to, you know, to what will be like probably just a sports and live news bundle. All right. scripted content just doesn't really make sense on linear TV anymore, particularly as you have to pay more and more money to the NFL for the rights and all these sorts of things. And so th- that that is probably something that is applicable, you know, in this case, and, and so a re- I don't think it will change things overnight, but mm-hmm. structural changes are structural changes. And, uh, you know, this ability to, you know, for some search results and arguably the most profitable search results, 
the general search format makes sense. And my prediction for Google is they will figure out a way to incorporate these sort of conversational models for the results where they don't make money anyways, and they'll probably be pretty good at it. And this is how they responded to the vertical search threat before, right? If they were serving results that made sense to compete with vertical search and they didn't make a lot of money, they could change the format, how it showed up. And it worked very well. The last time everyone was super skeptical about searches, long-term success, Google did respond and they responded effectively. And, yeah. and so, you know, just the power of the status quo, I think, is sort of a big thing. I mean, I'm very search-centric here, but, um, you know, people like Andrew Sharp are, are hard to get them to change their ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and look, I appreciate the note from Logan because I certainly wanted to zag when the entire tech world was losing its mind about how all of this was going to transform society as we know it. And the reason I didn't zag is twofold. Number one, I think the best argument for transformational AI is that if we're this far along now, what is it going to look like 10 years from now? And it's going to be so good that we can't even really comprehend some of the utility and what it's actually going to look like. And I find that argument persuasive because the generative AI that I'm looking at now isn't that good and wouldn't transform a lot of industries. It's, I mean, it's impressive and has a lot of novelty, like it's fun to play around with, but I don't think it's going to really alter people's workday in its current form. And so I was trying to exercise humility, frankly, where it's like, you know what? A lot of smart people think this is going to transform all of society. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I don't want to look like a complete moron in five years. I don't want to be the guy who was hating on the iPod or something. And so let's just sort of see what it turns into. No, one, um, I mean, all this sounds good in theory. I'm not sure how many people believe this, given you still are fine to be the guy who hates on the AirPod. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> well, the AirPod, if they were, you know, $200 cheaper, the AirPods would be a great product. Um, the other thing that I found in reading about generative AI for the last couple months, it does feel like the phrase itself is functionally meaningless at this point. And so if you're like asking for a bear case, I think in reality, AI is going to yield like 500 different products that are going to vary widely in, in the way they're used in society. So I don't really know how to how to handicap it because a lot of the products haven't been invented yet. So again, I'm in wait and see mode. I do think um, the most compelling bear case is that this technology is going to advance without any real... Um, immunity the way like section 230 provided immunity for tech companies 20 years ago and there are complicated copyright questions and legal challenges and there's going to be regulation hurdles i'm sure down the line and all of that is going to be kind of a tangled web that all these companies have to navigate and it's not clear how it's going to play out that that's a that's a great point uh you know section 230 is underrated uh in, no, maybe it's not. Maybe it's properly rated at this point. For a long time, it was underrated. As far it, as the it's not underrated on Stratechery. I've learned it over and over again from you over the years. Yeah, no, but I think I think that's a good point. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Logan raises a, a fair question, but I, uh, you know, I, I 
it feels like it's one of those things that, of course, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the stuff I'm skeptical about, and I was just sort of reflecting on what I said, and that was really about the question of what's the impact on valuation and value capture, right? Like, you know, the the even if we're in a world where Google dominates, quote unquote, generative AI or whatever you want to call it, that doesn't change the impact of generative AI, it's just a question of sort of who's capturing the value, right? And, right. you know, someone asked me, you know, the question of sustaining innovation versus disruptive innovation. Sustaining innovation is the idea where something new comes along and the existing companies capture all that value. Disruptive innovation is something new comes along and new companies capture that value. And and the new and, and existing companies have a hard time and how I see that distributing. And the the way I put it was I see it, I do see a distinction between, you know, sort of like big tech and the rest of the economy. All right. And that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive every episode of this show, you can do so by subscribing to Stratechery Plus. That'll give you access to every Sharp Tech episode, all of our Sharp China episodes, the Dithering Podcast with Ben and John Gruber, daily analysis of the tech business from Ben, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come. If you'd like to become a subscriber, click the link in your show notes to get access to the entire Stratechery universe.